0: Hello Venture Podcasters. I'm so glad you are listening in today. I'm your host Dan Wills and I'm the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And if you're new with us, we're in this message series talking about anxiety. Uh, The title of our series is Anxious for Nothing. And in this series, we're speaking about anxiety from a a, uh, spiritual perspective. I'm telling you that because I also acknowledge that anxiety is a very complicated subject, and so as we deal with it, we are going to approach it in a holistic way, recognizing that it can be psychological, uh, emotional, it can be situational, and I personally believe it's always spiritual. And since I don't have the authority or the expertise to speak from all perspectives, I am going to speak from a spiritual perspective. So what we're doing in this message series is we are letting one portion of scripture drive us for uh, four weeks, okay, and this is our third week, and we're looking in Philippians chapter four, specifically verses four through seven, so if you want to get there right now and uh, find that on your uh, device or on your actual Bible, or if you're just going to listen to me, um, share it, that's okay too. Uh, But I want you to know, we need to get to know the context, okay? So if you don't know the context, the context really makes this powerful text even more powerful. And so the book of Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul was a very strategic guy, and one of his top goals in life was to go to Rome to preach the gospel. Because Paul knew if he could reach the leaders in Rome, uh, where there was so much commerce and so much influence, coming out of that city, that he believed that he could influence a big portion of the world if he could just reach Rome. So his big dream was to go to Rome to preach the gospel. The problem is he did get to go to Rome, but not as a preacher. Instead, he was there as a prisoner. In fact, he was writing the letter Philippians. He was writing it under 24-hour day arrest. He's locked up nonstop to Roman guards awaiting trial. And month after month after month goes by, he has no idea what's going to happen to him. He he could be executed. This could be the end of his life, right? If there's anyone ripe for anxiety, it's the Apostle Paul waiting judgment upon him. And he's wrongfully accused sitting in a Roman prison. He could have been incredibly anxious. And out of that context, what's really awesome is he writes this in Philippians chapter 4. And like I said, verses 4 through 7. Here's what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And I want to pause there today because out of a place where he could have been this overwhelmed person and and an overcome with anxiety person, right? He could have had angst, tension, weight, breathlessness, you know, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. That is an amazing verse for a coffee mug, right? Wouldn't you say so? That's an amazing verse for a refrigerator magnet. It's a powerful verse for a greeting card, possibly. That is an unbelievably uh, spiritual verse to quote to your friends. It really is. But I personally hate when people quote that to me when I'm in the middle of a difficult situation, right? For example, you know, let's say I get a flat tire on the side of the road. I'm sitting there trying to change it. It's 102 degrees outside and someone comes up to try to help me. And and in the meantime says, you know what? You just need to rejoice in the Lord always. And in my head, I'm going, I'll make you rejoice, you know, in the Lord always. If you say that to me again, you know, it's just in that moment. And you're like, really, Paul? I mean, seriously, rejoice always under all circumstances. Really, Paul, you know, rejoice when you find out your spouse has been lying to you, then you're supposed to rejoice. Rejoice when you lose your job and you don't know how you're going to make rent. Rejoice in that. Rejoice when your best friend betrays you or your boyfriend cheats on you. Rejoice in that. Rejoice when you find out your your child's been making, you know, horrible decisions. Rejoice when you can't sleep at night and the anxiety is so real, so deep that you don't even want to leave your house. Rejoice then, Paul. Paul. Out of that context, awaiting judgment, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And then he goes on, verses 5 through 7, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How could Paul rejoice when he's locked up? How could he praise God when he wanted to preach, but he goes to bed as a prisoner? The answer is, it's, it's all about perspective. It's all about that perspective. The title for today's message is this, The Perspective of Praise, okay? The Perspective of Praise. What does perspective mean? Well, perspective very simply means how you see something. In other words, we all know two different people can look at the same thing, and they can see it from two different what? Perspectives, right? You know, it could be a room full of people, and every single person will have a different perspective on something. In fact, the word perceive in the Latin, it actually means to look through. For example, for years, I thought that every single person on the planet Earth was lying about magic eyes. Uh, you might be questioning, well, what is magic eyes? I'm, I'm not going to tell you I'm some kind of, you know, a uh, sorcerer or something like that. That's not what I'm talking about. You may know what magic eyes is, okay? Um you just never, maybe you never heard the name Magic Eye. Magic Eye is a picture that that has colors on it that are just kind of everywhere, and it looks like nothing but colors. And then some of you have claimed that if you look at that Magic Eye in just the right way, the 3D images will just kind of jump off that picture. You probably know what I'm talking about right now, right? And there might be circuses, there might be stadiums and villages and stuff that that you apparently can see. This guy, though, is convinced that you are all lying, okay? Until one day, a friend of mine and I were walking through the mall, and my my friend stopped and was looking at a magic eye. This was around back when I was in shortly after high school and stuff. and, And I decided I wanted to see something 3D. So my friend is looking at this magic eye and I'm like, I got to see this. And so I talked to my friend and had him try to coach me and to look, to see how to look at this thing. Right. And he said, well, what you have to do is you have to kind of squat down like you're going to get a ground ball, you know? So if you can imagine a guy in playing baseball squatting down balls coming at him, he's got to pick it up off the ground. Okay. He, I think he used that because we were both into baseball. We both played on the baseball team. And and so he's trying to do this. Now, in my head, though, as he's telling me this, I'm thinking my friend who I've known for a while is probably trying to mess with me right now, trying to make me look like a, a fool because we're in the middle of this mall surrounded by people walking by all the type of, you know, and, and, and he wants me to bend down and squat down and look at this picture. Now, I've I've been by all these pictures. I've never seen anybody do that before, but that's what he wants me to do. And so I'm thinking in my head, this is not going to happen. We're just not going to do this, you know? And so I'm in this ready position. I'm squatting down, right? Because <laughs> I'm going to find out, right? And he says, you have to look through it. And I'm like, how do you look through it? And he says, you just look through it. You look like beyond it, okay? And I tell him, I'm looking through it. And I'm looking through it, and I keep looking through it. And I just, I looked at it through it for so long, I finally kind of just felt like I was drunk. You know, I was dizzy. And in a moment at that point, so dizzy and everything, all of a sudden, God is my witness, 3D dolphins jumped off the page. I was so excited. I raised my hands in victory and just yelled out, woohoo, you know, and so excited. And all these people are looking at me like I'm crazy. And then I just realized I had moved and I lost that picture, and I never saw it again. But I'm here to tell you, for a moment, I did get to see 3D dolphins. Now, how did you see them? How did I see them? Listen to me. You have to look through it, okay? It's all about perspective, right? So I want to talk to you today about a perspective of praise. The Apostle Paul could have looked at this his situation at face value, and you know what he could have said, Right? this is really bad, this is not good, this is ripe for anxiety, how can I function, my ministry is over, my dreams are crushed, this could have been really bad, right? In fact, so here's what I want to do. I want to show you a scripture that's very close to what he actually said, but it's from a different version of the Bible. It's from the BPV version, okay? I hope you've heard of the the BPV version, and if you haven't and you're kind of trying to think things through, it's kind of like the NIV or the NLT version, okay? There's the BPV. And you're probably like, I've never heard of that before, because you haven't, because I just made it up, okay? Just trying to mess with you guys. So BPV stands for the bad perspective version, okay? And quite often, this is the way that you look at your situation and the very way I look at my situation sometimes. It's all about perspective, okay? Had the Apostle Paul had a bad perspective, what he could have said was this, now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters... What's happened to me really sucks. My God let me down. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, depression, and hopelessness. And because of the hell I've been through, I'm quitting life group, and I'm never going back to church. I'm hoping some of you can kind of relate to that bad perspective version, right? Because we look at our situation, we go, this is bad. I've got anxiety. It's getting worse. I can't function. I don't know what to do. It's, it's about perspective. Okay? But instead, what the Apostle Paul did is he, he looked at it through a perspective of praise. We're going to rejoice in the Lord always, is what he says. And through a perspective of that praise, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul said. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Listen to what he says. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. In other words, through a perspective of praise, you might look at this and think, you know, I don't feel like it was good. I thought it was really bad, but, but then I realized my God will never leave me. He will never forsake me. No weapon formed against me will prosper, right? My God is working for good in all things. Therefore, I've got a perspective of Praise. I see that what really happened actually served to advance the gospel. In fact, for a long time, they thought I was a prisoner is what Paul's thinking. They had no idea that they were locking up some of the most influential Roman leaders for me for eight hours at a time, right? Paul's thinking this, and, and he's going, for me to preach the gospel to them, you know? Who's the real prisoner now? It's all about perspective, right? Right? You can look at the very same situation and say, this is bad, this is, this is horrible, I can't stand this. Or, or you could have a perspective of praise. God, now that I look at it this way, I actually see what you are in this. You're working for good. What's happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. And, and what's so powerful is this, is that this isn't the first time that the Apostle Paul was actually in prison. In fact, we don't know how many other times, okay? There may not be even written in scripture, recorded in scripture how many times, but there are multiple ones that we know about, okay? And so Acts Acts 16 is what we're going to look at today. Paul and Silas, they were basically going to their life group, okay, essentially. They were going to a place of prayer, and there was this woman possessed with an evil spirit, and when they cast the evil spirit out of this woman, a gang fight broke out, this big, massive riot that that ended up being uh, arrested at the end of this, okay, Beaten by the crowd they are, and and then they're ordered to be beaten by the religious leaders or the magistrates, okay, as it's worded. In fact, this is what scripture says in verse 22 of Acts 16. The crowds joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. I'm hoping that none of you will be stripped of your clothes this week and beaten with rods, right? But there are some of you who might be stripped of your confidence, you're stripped of your faith right now. You're trying to have faith, but you just can't find it. You're beaten down with anxiety. You're beaten down with your doubts. You're you're doing everything you can to hold on to your faith. But the anxiety feels so real that you just can't press through it, right? Well, the Apostle Paul and Silas were doing everything right, and they were beaten and thrown into prison. I want you just for a moment to try to visualize this, okay? They're in prison. Maybe broken noses, maybe a couple of broken ribs, wiping dried blood off. I mean, we're talking really severely beaten on a cold, hard prison floor, and and they're in this situation. So you know what they decided to do? Well, things are really bad. This isn't fair. We might as well have a worship night. That's what they did. It'd be kind of an, an equivalent of you finding out that someone you love has cancer, and you say, hey, let's get together and worship God. Or, hey, I just discovered my kids on drugs. Let's get together and worship God. That's kind of what it's like. How did they do that? Well, it's a matter of perspective. And I don't know who this is right now, who's for who it is right now that's listening, but there's someone here. You do have an issue. I know you do, okay? And it's probably big. And I'm not minimizing it at the least, okay? And maybe you have two issues or maybe three issues, those are, those are real, okay? But don't forget to look at the whole picture, right? Do you have friends? Perhaps you do, right? Do you have your health? I hope you do. Do you still have a glimmer of faith? You know, just a mustard seed of faith because you can move mountains with that kind of faith, right? Do you have a church of people that care for you? I know the people at our church do, and I hope the church that you belong to does as well. You see, don't just look at what's wrong. Always look at what's right, okay? How could they, when they have been beaten, falsely charged, worship God? Maybe Paul leaned over to Silas and said, well, there's a lot of bad, but we're not dead. And if we're not dead, we're not done, right? Right, Silas? And if you've got a lot of bad in your life, at least you can say that as well. You know, I'm not dead. And if I'm not dead, then I'm not done. You can look at it from a different perspective. And and, and what they did is they said, hey, let's go ahead and worship God. And here's what they did. It's in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. Here's what it says. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them, okay? Now, I want you to notice this. They were praying and they were singing hymns when they were bound up in prison. In other words, God had not delivered them from prison, See, there was no miraculous provision. There was no miracle. They weren't praising God at this moment for the what. They were just praising him for the who. This wasn't praise for the what. This was praise for the provision. This, This was praise for the character and the nature and the goodness of God. It wasn't praise for what they had seen. It was just praise for the who God is here's a spoiler alert. Okay. Some of you might not like spoiler alerts, but you got to listen to this one. Okay. If you don't know what happens, I'm going to tell you at the end of the story, and we're going to come back and look at it in a minute, but I want you to understand the context. All right. In a little bit in the middle of their praise, God is going to show up in that praise. He's going to shake the cell wall with an earthquake and the doors are going to swing open and the chains are all going to fall off. Why do I tell you that now? Because knowing what God did not do when Paul was in prison in Rome brings way more power to the truth when he says rejoice in the Lord always. Because Paul knew from Rome the power of God to deliver him from the exact same problem. Paul knew God could deliver him from prison, but God did not. And Paul still offered him praise. That brings color to the idea of rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice when he delivers you and rejoice when he doesn't. Because this is not praise for the what you see. This is pr- the praise for the who. This is a deeper type of praise. Now I want you to imagine if you can this context. Okay, Paul and Silas were beaten, bloody. They're in prison and they decide to worship. It's midnight. Paul and Silas were praying, they're singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, boom, God shows up. When does God show up? He doesn't show up before, but he shows up during their praise. Let's read on. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose visualize it. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. See if you can see it, right? It's midnight, right? There's no visible reason to praise God. They're in jail. They've got broken ribs, maybe broken noses. And Paul leans over to Silas who might be asleep on the floor and says, Hey, Cy, si. that's his nickname. By the way, if, if a buddy ain't got a nickname, he ain't a buddy. Okay. Everybody's got a nickname. Hey, Cy, si, you awake? Uh, yeah, Paul, what's up? Cy, si, I was just thinking, what, Paul? I was just thinking, man, we're we're still alive. We we've still got breath, right? And our God is still on the throne and Jesus is risen. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for us. Why don't we just give him a little bit of praise? Why don't we just worship him? There's a lot of reasons we could be anxious right now, Silas. And Sy si says, That's a great idea, Paul. What 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 song should we sing? And Paul goes, Ah oh, man, let, let's sing that one. You know, my favorite one. You 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 know that one visualize it if you can, Paul and Silas, they're, they're praying and they're singing hymns and they're worshiping God for, for who he is, not just for what he might do. And in the middle of their praise, the ground shakes, the doors fly open, the chains come loose in the middle of their praise. Sometimes you might find out that the key that unlocks your miracle is the sound of your praise. We praise you, God, for who you are. We praise you, God, not just for what you do and, or even who you are. We praise that you are here, God. We praise that you are faithful, that you'll never leave us, that you'll never forsake us. We ask God for your presence to do what only you can do. God, send your spirit to give us peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand. God, we are your children. Here's what I want to do today. I want to take a moment just to praise our God. So if you could take a moment to listen to this song, I believe this song that we're, we're about to play, could be the one that Paul was talking about, right? So let's give God victory and let's praise him right now.
1: I am Free dust, He has ransomed me His grace runs deep While I was a slave to sin Jesus died for me Yes, He died Yeah.
0: Amen, right? Hey, uh, that brings us to a conclusion of another week of uh, Venture Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the song, and I hope you're enjoying this series as we're talking about anxiety. And my hope is that you'll uh, continue uh, as we wrap up next week uh, with our series of Anxious for Nothing. And then I'm excited to announce that beginning in November, we're starting a new series. It's called I Choose, and we'll discuss four big choices that many of us don't know we're making, right? It's easy for us to focus on smaller choices, but making these decisions really set the framework for who we are. So join us next week. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.